and welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by our dear friends at Home Field Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I am joined here by Brian Fisher, my colleague across D1 Ticker. It is good to be with all of you here. Um, forgive me if I my voice sounds a little bit weird, if I'm having to stop for breath a little bit more often. I'm, I am like, this is my first day when I'm well enough to actually talk for more than 10 minutes without sounding like uh, I, I would be digging coal with, with Boyd Crowder for the last 10 years. It's, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's been a rough couple of days, man. Yeah, the improvement from, from yesterday to today is is remarkable. So I, I will give you that. But uh, thanks for toughing it out. I, I guess, you know, this it's, do, do we term this? the I, we, This is kind of more the regular uh, podcast since we, we do do one on, on Friday. But this is kind of the emergency edition, I guess, to get I you guess. out of bed. We were only going to do one this week. I, I even mentioned it in, in yesterday's solo pod. But, uh, you know, good, good to have you back. I, I guess, uh, you know, the news never stops and, and it gets you out of bed. Yeah, I there's no good time to be sick. Right. And I, 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 uh, if you missed this earlier, I, I even missed a couple of days on extra points. I had, I, did you know there was more than one kind of influenza? Like, I I, well, I, I, I guess so just cause I, the, the kids are getting their shots right about now. So, uh, gotten a few of them. So I was actually looking on the sheet you know, it's like dash so-and-so and all this. So, so I, I guess I was aware, but, but probably not uh, in, in terms of your case, uh, as, as many virus strains as there are. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. Sort of like, well, the good news is you don't have the coronavirus, but you do. I did test positive for influenza a dash, like some software serial number or something. And I'm like, Oh, is that good? And I'm like, Oh, actually it would have been better if you got the coronavirus virus i'm like oh son of a no so anyway I'm, I'm i'm feeling a little bit better now um but because the universe constantly conspires to make it so i'm unable to effectively actually take a long enough time away from everything to fully recharge <laughs> stuff keeps happening and as i was driving to cvs today to pick up some more theraflu i saw that the ncaa has hired a new president uh, in case you missed this, in case you missed the earlier extra points I wrote about this, that new president, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker. Um, and the initial response that I saw on Twitter from this was mostly a, a, a collection of people quote tweeting it and going like, wow, that's a surprise. Really? Like, because the last several NCAA presidents have all been university administrators. They've either been athletic directors, they've either been NCAA staffers, or they've been university presidents. Governor Baker is not any of those things. Um, outside of an extremely brief and thoroughly undistinguished basketball career at Harvard, where as best as I can tell, he played in eight games one year and, uh, and, and averaged like under two points a game. Um, really no meaningful connection to not just college sports, but sports in general. And so there was a lot of surprise. So let me let me you let me let me ask you this. Like I, I can tell you, I did not have Baker on my immediate list of people that I thought was going to get this job. I wasn't surprised it was a politician. Did you see this exact thing coming here? Did you I mean were you better plugged in than I was? Well, I, I think we had you'd started to hear rumors that uh, this this was getting close uh, to to a decision yeah. ultimately being made. Uh, heard, heard some things last prior to going to Vegas last week that um, you know, a few people had maybe pulled out of the search, which is either code for they didn't get the job or they, they knew it was going to somebody else or um, you know they, they got it got it talking about salary and, and said, oh wait, this is this is not for me in terms of this this yeah. this flack job. Uh, that, that's a little too low for me. But um, you know you're you're right in terms of. Uh, 
maybe thinking it was a politician. I, I think that was kind of the vein that um, I, I don't think this was the only uh, person that they interviewed. And frankly, you know, I, I pointed out uh, kind of back in September is Turnkey uh, ZRG was, was handling the search. They've gone outsider for a lot of these uh, positions uh, recently, you know, in terms of their high profile searches. Um, that's kind of been their MO. They, they landed Brett Yormark out of the Big 12. They ran, you know, they had George Klyovkov to the, the Pac-12, really the only kind of insider research they've conducted recently was was Jim Phillips, and, and that was a while ago for the ACC, which is really more presidential driven in terms of what they ultimately wanted. I think um, when you do have these kind of search firms that that uh, kind of go out and they say, you know, hey, hey, what 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 kind of leader are you you looking for? And there was a six page uh, description that they ended up coming up. Well, that told me that uh, the NCAA Board of Governors, the, the search committee uh, that is part of that, really didn't have any idea in terms of who they wanted to kind of go after. And so that's yeah. that's why when you kind of open open the floodgates in terms of candidates, you thought. Who, who could this end up being? And and ultimately, it was a politician, although I will say it, at least there was some name recognition, some faint name recognition where I didn't have to you know, necessarily Google a George Klyovkov uh, back in yeah. those days. So that, that was the only difference this time around. But no surprise, they went with politician. Yeah, that that was that was my exact. It's funny. That was almost my exact thought it was like, at least I know who this person is um, and, and, and knew a couple of things about them. Um, let me let, let, I guess let, let's explain a little bit. For, for people that uh, might not have been following along about why we were both coming to the conclusion that a politician was likely. Um, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about why this specific politician. So, you know, in Vegas, and I guess we haven't really even had a chance to thoroughly kind of debrief a lot of the things that happened there, because as soon as we got back, I, I got cholera or whatever it was that that uh, you know, happened after I, I came back from the trip. Um Every Power Five commissioner and, and, and many other uh, individuals, they spoke with you. Um, they spoke with some of our colleagues with Connective, and they were up on stage talking to some of our, our reporter colleagues throughout the industry or folks at Sports Business Journal. And, and, and well, there's only, there was only one entity, us, Collegiate Sports Connect, that actually asked all, all those commissioners that stopped by our set, you know, what would you get, what kind of advice you would give the next NCAA president? So somebody was a, a little bit more prescient with their questioning, I guess. Mm, I, I'll just well, speak that, that in there for, for, for all our listeners there. This is why we're the true serious professionals exactly. in, in, in this whole thing, right? Um, and not just advice for what, but but also you know what what kind of characteristics you want. And I heard, I distinctly remember this from Greg Sankey, and I know he wasn't the only person that reiterated that you know this is becoming more of a political kind of job, and it's political in two ways. I think it's political in that it is an administrative job with so many extremely varied constituencies, both big schools, small schools, religious schools, Stanford you know, the opposite of religious schools, um, where you, you kind of have to be a political minded person to cobble together any kind of consensus, big budget, small budget, everything. Um, but also political in the sense that you're going to spend more time in Washington, D.C. and working more with lawmakers. And part of that is because higher education itself has become more political. And also because college sports, uh, their near-term future is more closely tied to Congress, is particularly with their ability to enforce almost any kind of regulation. Um, so it would make sense. And, and if that's the case here, and, and the last couple of people within higher ed haven't really worked out, I, I think we both would agree Mark Emmert didn't work out, uh, even with the, a couple of the good things he did, not an effective leader at the end. Somebody who has more political experience uh, may check more of those boxes. So it would make sense to look at somebody like Baker. What is a little surprising is that Baker is not a senator. 
Baker's not a member of the U.S. House. Baker, to the best of my knowledge, has never spent any really significant time on Capitol Hill. He's spent most of his political career in Massachusetts or working in healthcare and startups and in nonprofits in Massachusetts. But it's not state governments that are going to be shaping anti the, the where the NCAA is going here with antitrust law and labor law and, and a safe harbor legislation. They're going to need lawmakers. And that means you need somebody who has political juice, uh, potential political juice um, with multiple major constituencies and not to veer this entirely too far into, uh, you know, NPR political talk here. I don't necessarily know if that's this guy, at least on paper, because I can't think of too many political constituencies right now that have a more narrow audience than Rockefeller Republican from the Northeast. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I think if, if you were looking for somebody that uh, knew the Beltway extremely well, this this is not the candidate for, for you. And and not to say that you can't get there. I mean, let's face it, you know, I think, uh, you know, Greg Sankey and, and George Klyovkov and, and all really all the commissioners yeah. have been, you know, to, to Washington, D.C. to lobby senators within their footprints to talk about some of the legislation that they would like. And, and I think they would like to do less of that for sure. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, though, this is uh, regardless of, of kind of the political boundaries, let's face it, he is a Republican in, in a pretty left-leaning state. You're dealing with a lot of unions. You can understand, yes, it's somebody that can cross the aisles a, a little bit. So that is at least in his corner. But this is this is going to be something that he's going to have to build some consensus around. And um, he really does have that that one job. You know, I think this is a higher, I mean, he's, he's going to be turning uh, 67, I, I believe, next year. So uh, he, he's not really too far off from where Mark Emmert is in terms of retiring at 69. So this is a, a very kind this of is not a long term job. This is not a long term job. Uh, you know, it would be surprising if he ended up matching the you know Emirates ten years here. You know, it's probably going to be a five, six, seven year type of type of deal before we're going through this again. But he really has one one kind of big job. You know, I think uh, as, as soon as the hire announced, you know, this is somebody that has to at least make the case uh, to, to constituents to get everybody on the same page, number one. And then number two, obviously get that antitrust exemption. That is the biggest thing that the NCA leadership, I, I think, wants uh, and, and is, is going after. They, they've uh, kind of dabbled in it a little bit, but I think the, the signal that uh, got sent up in terms of the bat signal towards Washington with this hire is that, hey, we're, we're going to be um, really pushing this and, and pushing it hard. And, and I think there's, there's there's a lot of merit to that, you know, in, in terms of what you can get done, in terms of some of the restrictions that they ultimately want. You're going to have to have an antitrust exemption or else you're, you're going to be going through the courts again. Um, and, and there's somebody, that, you know, somebody that's going to have to be dealing with a lot of legal challenges. Let's Let's face it, somebody in, in that governor position, you're, you're maybe not uh, getting sued directly, but you're dealing with a lot of state entities. You're, you're dealing with a lot of the courts. You're dealing with a, you know, a lot of you know, the legislation and, and that whole process. So at least has, has some background in terms of how to do that, how to handle that, how to build some consensus. I think that's, that's the other thing is this will be a job to kind of kind of marshal the troops a little bit. You know, we, we just have not had that leadership out of Indianapolis. And to me, the, what, what this hire also says is beyond just kind of the antitrust stuff that, that uh, I think is task number one. He's going to be someone in that that can not only build the consensus, but say, "Hey, we, we we've got to go this direction." You know, really kind of set that north star uh, for the NCA, yeah. and uh, that frankly has not been done under Mark Emmert. That has not been done. We we've seen it going back to the COVID and everything that that just was was kind of scattershot coming out of that. Obviously, how how they've treated NIL and, and been behind the eight ball. This is somebody that they kind of probably hope um, can kind of get out in front of some of these issues and at least provide some leadership to where say, "Hey, we're all moving in this one direction." To be fair to Governor Baker, I think we are underselling it a little bit if we say, hey, this is a Republican in a blue state. He must know a little bit about consensus building. I mean, back in October, 
this guy was the most popular governor in the entire country. And he had won re-election, if I'm not mistaken, by attracting more Democratic votes than the Democratic candidate did, which is very difficult to, to, to do, especially in this political climate and in a place like Massachusetts. Um, you know, I, I wrote about this a, a little bit earlier today, too. Um Taking a page from what I remember from school and from my, my past life from a long time ago, you there are other people who have Republicans who have done this playbook in New England of a socially permissive but very fiscally uh, conservative kind of uh, you know hyper competent bulwark against legislative excess kind of guy. Uh, the Vermont's governor is a Republican. Um, Massachusetts has elected like three or four of these guys. Bill Weld, Mitt Romney were Republican libertarian-ish kind of guys there. Angus King was the governor and and now he's an an independent senator in in Maine for a long time. Your constituency allows for that. And there is absolutely something to be said for you have to be able to be good at coalition building to to govern that way. It's a hard needle to thread. You can do it. People have done it before. And and that speaks to competence beyond what he was able to do in the private sector. Um, it's a different kind of constituency in the NCAA. And I mean that not just for the getting all of the presidents together. You are absolutely correct. There hasn't been a unified mi- like mission. There hasn't been a, a unified statement of purpose or this is what we want college sports to be. It's been very reactive. But even beyond that, your constituencies are now not just the university presidents that Emmert, for all of his faults, did care to try to cultivate, but your athletic directors – on some level, it includes some coaches who are much more conservative politically and culturally than athletic directors who are in turn more conservative than university presidents generally. Uh, and now your constituencies are going to include athletes, um, including potentially some labor activist groups, and then now lawmakers. And like to put it bluntly, you can be a Republican governor in Massachusetts and be very popular and tell every single person who thinks and votes and acts like J.D. Vance and Blake Masters to go to hell Um, because there aren't enough of them in Massachusetts to matter. There are plenty of Republicans. There aren't 45% of your state are those kind of Republicans necessarily. But if you want to go get something to, to, if you need something out of Congress, especially now that Kevin McCarthy's the speaker, going to be the speaker of the house, probably uh, for the next term, I think that's going to be harder to do. Uh, just given the math of, of who's there. So I, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm, I, I can understand the NCAA's thinking here because this is a kind of a crappy job. I, I think a lot, of, a lot of other people didn't want it, but it's going to be tricky uh, to, to, to cultivate whatever kind of group that he needs here, especially because, well, I'm sure he's a very smart, competent person. He doesn't know anything about college sports or at least doesn't know anything really deep about college sports. And we've seen, I think, talented administrators come in here who didn't know that. Klyavkov, Warren um, needed some runway to really fully appreciate what they didn't know. And that's going to be part of of, of, uh, of this job here as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I, there, I think that oh. that, that uh, last point about uh, reaching out to athletic directors is, is going to be interesting because you think somebody coming into this position, not really knowing that, hey, the, these are the people on the ground, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, you might have some some conversations with, with some of them. But uh, my guess is initially, you know, this is still going to be uh, somebody that connects to the presidents, 
you know, initially connects to the commissioners, uh, kind of understands they, they are the, the first power brokers that you kind of got to go through. But college athletics is, is not a thing that is, is just necessarily built on on those those titles. You know, you, you got to get into the weeds a little bit uh, on some of these issues. So how, how well he connects with some of those ADs, you know, especially the established ones that have been doing this for a long time. They've seen a lot of these changes, understand where things might be going a little bit better than their presidents who, let's face it, this athletics is not their day job. And, uh, you know, the, the quicker he can come to that realization that athletics is not the president's day job, uh, I think that the quicker that he will start to understand the enterprise that is the NCA. You would think that his role right now would provide enough of the day-to-day administrative experience and knowing about how to, you know, interface with people when like what, what, what they do is not his day job, but we'll see. Uh, Plenty of, of politicians have become university presidents before. Some have done okay. Some have done very not okay. Uh, we haven't had somebody like him in this kind of role before. His job also, just to kind of underscore about what a kind of lousy gig this is, just got a lot harder. And I want to tell you about that in a little bit here and try to separate the rampant speculation from the reality. But before we do, let me talk about something that's a little bit less esoteric, a little bit less complicated than labor law and the head of the NCAA. Let's talk about some comfortable hoodies. Let's talk about our friends at Homefield Apparel. This might not be the perfect ad read, but it's the ad read I want to give right now from the heart. When you are sick, when you have the flu, when breathing feels like you're getting a bunch of razor blades punched into your chest with every time you exhale, you everything in your life is going to be very uncomfortable. What you want more than anything beyond the sweet release of death would be comfortable clothes. And I was in my doggers and I was in a home field hoodie and I had a soft home field t-shirt under that for the three days that I was curled up hacking and, 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 and quivering and, and hoping to join the choir invisible. Most other things in the world were uncomfortable and painful, but not my extremely comfortable home field hoodie. And I wasn't just because it had the country roads, West Virginia on it. It was or because my sweatpants had an adorable depressed dog who was probably feeling the same way that I was. It's because they were made with extremely soft materials that almost as if they were giving a a, a slight embrace, which is what I needed when I was um, when I was feeling horrible. But the other thing about Homefield is like they're not just good for when you are four days deep into influenza and, and hoping to get hit by a truck. They're comfortable all the time. I'm feeling a little bit better now. I'm wearing a home field hoodie as we speak. I don't think I'm actually wearing a home field t-shirt at the moment, but I am wearing a baby blue Marquette hoodie. There was one thing that sports writers love besides Bruce Springsteen and Marriott points. It's baby blue. Um, I think it looks like you're wearing a home field uh, hoodie as well. The, yeah, I got the, the, you? I, oh, no, I the, the Alabama. And we got Alabama. the Canton Sugar Bowl participant, Alabama. You are wearing a New York Yankees hat and Alabama hoodie. Right <laughs> yeah, I now. guess. I guess you are uh, like the world's biggest asshole, but that's okay because you're wearing. It's home field. Home field uh, is not doesn't, doesn't do anything. You know Yankees what? Hat. And uh, I I think if. Uh, oh, no, I, I was going to say I, I got a new uh, new supply uh, in courtesy of the Black Friday sale. Home field. You know, I got the North Dakota State Bison shirt. I, I got a couple others. So I, I should I should have just really gone in on, on all those. Uh, all, all, yeah, all the, the, there was like, I could have gone. There I was like, gone real bad. If there was a cowboy shirt under there, I would have oh, probably that, yeah, hung up the yeah. hung up the podcast right now. They sell the bandwagon stuff, but they also sell the not so bandwagon stuff, like Marquette and North Dakota State and uh, um, 
Colorado School of Mines Division Two have, National have, Championship have game. One of those, yes, absolutely. That that's the other one that's in the wash. That's why I'm wearing the Alabama one. Yeah, it, it, it's inter- it's going to be fun too because I, I don't know how how you are, but like I have so many like random college stuff. I, I kind of it's basically my wardrobe is is the back of your wall uh, there, and yeah. so like yeah. you know I'll always be wa- you know I'll go out and do something in, in, in out in the, the yard or something like that, or, or take the kids to school. And, you know, I got like, you know, Oregon, Oregon state gear on, you know, or, you know, certain, you know, USC, UCLA gear on. And sometimes I'll get, I'll get a few looks and uh, I, you know, this is just, just, just my life right now. Yeah. We're, we're all about stealing valor. Like this red solo cup that I'm drinking out of, it's not just a regular red solo cup. It's a, it's a sacred heart university Sunday hey, Monday that they gave me when I, when I was out there, you do this job, you travel, you just accumulate. These kind of things, like like the pennants on my wall here, we've got Montana State, Sacred Heart, Coastal, all, all other places where you've been. Um, you can get Homefield Apparel at homefieldapparel.com, and you can save 15% off that order by using promo code extra points. Uh, support our show, support our gross habit of buying more officially licensed collegiate stuff, even though neither of us really need it. Uh, and support our friends in Indiana who make extremely comfortable clothes for when you're healthy and when you're calling for a young priest and an old priest, when you're on the brink of death. Speaking of the brink of death, let's talk a little bit more about the NCAA. Because as I was, um, you know, like late this, e- late this afternoon, evening uh, here on, uh, on, uh, on Thursday – uh, we uh, got news here from um, Sports Illustrated, from friend of the show, at, uh, Daniel Libet at Sportico and a couple other places here, that the National Labor Relations Board um, is going to pers- – I want to make sure I get this exactly correct here uh, – pursuing um, uh, complaints here at UCLA – I mean, excuse me, at USC – uh, about uh, for unfair labor practices and is is view is uh, including the NCAA and the Pac-12 as potential um, co-employers. The the is the view here of the National Labor National Labor Relations Board uh, that athletes at USC, particularly basketball uh, men's women basketball and football players, are in fact employees and therefore should be given minimum wage and collective bargaining rights and everything else that comes with employees that they have been improperly classified as student athletes. A claim that the National Labor Relations Board two years ago was basically inviting people to file um, the uh, the uh, Ramogi, Ramogi Huma's organization, uh, the NCPA, filed that complaint along with a couple other advocacy groups. And now the the engines are the the wheels are turning uh, in in this direction here. Um, I had a chance to talk with a couple of experts. I've tried to read as much as I can here this evening, Brian. B- before we kind of get into the weeds here, would you agree that this is something that may not necessarily be extremely important today, but is still extremely important, big picture, right? Yeah, I mean, I think when when you look at uh, some of the big threats to college athletics Inc. and, and the enterprise of, of college athletics, um, you know, this is certainly one of them, and and it really has been kind of sitting there in the background since um, really the Northwestern case. Uh, you know, somewhat similar circumstances. This one's a little different, which we can kind of get into in terms of um, kind of the technical reasons why it applies to not just kind of USC athletes and in, in the private schools, but you know, a, a much broader impact in terms of the NCA that that it hits. And you know, I, I was just kind of thinking um, as soon as I saw the news cross, you know, it's like. 
like are, are USC and UCLA, not only are they going to the Big Ten and, and really kind of creating some seismic shocks uh, from from the summer, but you go back to the Ed O'Bannon case, obviously that kind of changed the face of uh, college sports given NIL and, and how it opened things up there. Yes, there's there's the Alston case that uh, was also part of that, but uh, you, you throw in that from, from UCLA, you got this case from, from USC, you know, the, the LA schools, they are changing the face of, of college athletics almost single-handedly between the two of them. Yeah, on, you, that's you're, you're not kidding, right? We're in 2014, the epicenter of, of major collegiate change. Um, it, it was happening in and around Chicago. Now it is definitely in and around Los Angeles. So let's let's talk a, a, a little bit specifically here about why this is different from the 2014 Northwestern and, and what happens next. So let me start at a very high level and say this. What doesn't happen next is college athletes are now deemed employees everywhere. Uh, the, the NLRB cannot wave a magic wand and, and make this so. In fact, I think it is fair to say, based on my reading of these stories and from talking to uh, our friend and longtime Extra Points reader, Sam, Professor Sam Elric at Boise State and a couple other folks that follow this closely, uh, there are several other steps that need to happen. So NLRB says, hey, we're, you know, we're, we, think, we think these, these allegations have merit. Uh, the next thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a hearing. The NCAA is going to be involved. It's going to go in front of an administrative judge, administrative law judge, uh, sometime beginning of next year. Um, based loose, we don't have an exact date for this yet, but based on how the timeline for these things typically looks, we're looking at somewhere between late February to maybe early April uh, for, for, for this to happen. And then even then, that ruling uh, could be appealed to a five-member group at the NLRB too. So I would say it, it, we, we would probably not expect a final answer on this case within the first three, three, three quarters of next year. One of the things that's different though is that for this particular charge, this is, this is being made from an unfair labor practice, which is a little bit different than what was happening at Northwestern. And in here, the NLRB is finding that it isn't just USC that is um, – one of the employers here, but the PAC 12 and the NCAA as a whole. And as I understand it, and keep in mind, I have been sick and quasi hibernating for three and a half days. And I have a bachelor's degree from a good, but not great university. And I'm not an attorney. So based on what I know at 818 God's time zone on Thursday, um, if both both the uh, administrative law judge and the five panel review and everything finds in, in, in exactly the NLRB's favor here. This is not a ruling that would impact just USC. It's not a ruling that would just impact private institutions, which is normally the purview of the NLRB, but one that would impact all of FBS. Um, and and I have to dig more whether that would include, you know, Division One be, beyond that. That the fact that this the joint employer theory. Is, is what's going to be tested here is significant because that dramatically expands the scope of what falls under the purview of the NLRB. I mean, like if only private schools were allowed to unionize, like that would clearly not be a sustainable system. And there would be some kind of public school collective bargaining option pretty soon anyway. But this would would force that if the various courts find in that favor. You're, you're nodding here. So it's like I have that right. Yes, yeah, I think that's that. That is the key. It is not just a, a USC case. It is not just a private school case. It is involving the Pac-12 and the NCA, and, and I think that is is what is really key in terms of hey, um, this is going to have a, a pretty big impact. And, and yes, it will yeah. take some time. You know, this is kind of the opening salvo. Obviously, we're at the end of the year. Nobody likes to do a lot of work uh, at the end of the year anyway. But um, no. you know, sometimes you got to get some decisions out the door. This is one of them. Um, and, and I, I think we'll, we'll we'll probably have 
a lot of discussion leading into uh, the convention in January with, with and, and ultimately what the new president, what kind of strategies they want to form around this. But um, yeah, this this has kind of been hovering, uh, obviously, in the, in the background, like I said, for a while in terms of we yep. knew there was going to be another labor threat like this. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see ultimately what the uh, rulings end up happening. If, if you go back to that Northwestern case, if, if you remember, you know, the, the, the vote didn't end up, uh, you know, really happening in terms of, uh, you know, unionization effort and getting over the hump and so um even even if well, the players voted against players it, that's voted a, against. And, and that's a very different i'm not even going to address that on this show i've written about that several times the actual organizing of the athletes themselves is a different battle than creating the legal mechanism to do so and that part's also very hard right so so there's a lot of steps before we kind of get to the quote unquote here they're their employees now like there there are a lot there's a lot of time there's a lot of effort there's a lot of billable hours which is always inherent to college athletics uh, before we end up getting to some of those stages if we even do um you know I, I think there there can be settlements you can do do certain things that that uh, you know revolve around it for what I'm told so um you know Conferences, you know, they're the legal offices, all their general counsels, they're, they're going to be examining this issue closely. I know this has been on really the top of mind for a lot of school presidents, um, you know, the, not only the last couple of months, but, you know, this is kind of one of the big things that they think, um, you know, has been kind of undercovered a, a little bit is these these type of cases, these type of threats to uh, the enterprise, because it can, can significantly change it with one ruling very quickly. And, um, you know, I, yeah. I think that, that that is kind of the, the, the big uh, uh, threat uh, that is looming out there with with this case in particular, but you're right. I, I think that the key to keep in mind is this is not just a private school thing. This, this can impact a lot of football players, a lot of men's basketball players at, at uh, really kind of the entire division one level. And um, that, that is the, the one thing that I think everybody is, is why they, they kind of perked up when they, when they saw this news. I think it doesn't feel like an accident that this dropped a couple hours after the new NCAA president was, was announced. Like, yeah, is, it, is it too late for him to back out? You know, that, yeah, that's well, well, surprise. So here is, as we kind of, I guess, wrap this up here, this is, could be wrong about this. This is my like first thought, somewhat contrarian take about, about, about these developments, because I, I think it is not illogical or irrational, and it may not even be incorrect to look at this in conjunction with the Johnson case that's working its way through the federal court system in Pennsylvania right now and say, amateurism is definitively on the ropes. You now have two um, legal challenges with promise going through different systems here that are going to reach the ultimate same conclusion about whether athletes should be uh, employees. It's highly, it's unlikely, maybe highly unlikely that the NCAA will prevail in both of those challenges. Therefore, this whole thing, it's, it's on borrowed time. That may be true, but this is my educated hypothesis is that we head into the next Congress is that Governor Baker and potentially the NCAA and their other new lobbying team or whoever else is working at this will say, this is now the catalyst that we need to get more Republicans to care about this issue. And now we can, you know, I'm not saying this is morally correct. I'm saying this is the argument that I imagine they would make. So there was, they, they, you know, the NCAA folks would get in there and say, look, if we don't get an antitrust exemption now, if we don't get the, the, the federal government, the legislative arm to get out in front of both of these two challenges here and give us some legal protection, college sports as we know it will end. Uh, and it will end because we will have to professionalize this and we'll have to do it before 2024. And you are the only bulwark who can stop it. And right now, the people in Congress that care about this, and there aren't many of them, disproportionately are Democrats. 
And specifically, they're mostly coastal Democrats who don't come from gigantic college sports states. Um, this is not a a a uh, me a, a partisan thing here. This is not a value judgment one way or the other. It's 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 people like Senator Murphy and Senator Blumenthal and Senator Booker and and, and to a lesser extent Senator Wyden um, and Senator Sanders who care about this stuff and real a lot and are looking at it as an opportunity to do expansive college sports reform, something that includes healthcare, which I talked about in my in the Extra Points newsletter earlier this week, collective bargaining, um, academic rights, a bunch of other things. And there aren't nearly as many conservative lawmakers who care about this issue. Senator Blackburn, Senator Romney, uh, to a somewhat lesser extent, Senator Rubio, not as many. And those um, don't care as, as much as the Democrats do. So if this is a chance to be able to, to light a fire under some Southern lawmakers uh, or, or, some, or some Great Plains or Midwestern lawmakers, I could see a much narrower bill get pushed from the, from the House and, and enforce something here. Because push comes to shove, even though it's popular, I think, with sports writers, and even though it may be the most morally popular, I mean, the most morally correct thing to do, I am not personally convinced in 2023 with Democrats facing a tough re-election campaign that maybe everybody wants to take a tough vote that might end what is perceived to be college sports. Um, and they might err on the side of something to roll some of these other things back. So I, my, my, my analysis here is in my, my first thought is I, I'm not going to pour dirt on the grave of amateurism until the, I, I see Oregon to direct deposit the first check into someone's checking account. You know, even if I think it's very clear how the courts feel about this, there are other mechanisms that could potentially throw up a roadblock. Am I being needlessly cynical here? No, I mean, you, you mentioned the other roadblocks. I mean, you have the House lawsuit, you have the Johnson lawsuit. I mean, there, there are other legal cases, too, that are, are kind of starting to chip away as well that, that I think are also cited in, in addition to this. So it's it's a very tenuous, I, I guess, uh, next couple of years. And, um, you know, I think in, in certain respects, had we have moved to more of a pro model, I, I think it would solve a lot of issues. You know, I mean, how yeah. many complaints have we had the last week just with the transfer portal and, oh, the end is near, you know, guys are transferring and all this, you know, like that. That, that, that kind of talk, you know, would, would be at least eliminated a little bit, um, yeah. you know, if, if we were able to kind of have the collective bargaining and all that sort of stuff. There are roadblocks around this. Obviously, you're dealing with, um, you know, you're dealing with uh, amateurs and, and kids and, and the, you know, schools. And, and there's a little, a little more complicated, um, you know, layers that then say the NFL or, or the NFL or, or, or NBA or whatnot. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot coming for kind of the system in, in college athletics. And, um, you know, whether it's Congress, whether it's uh, the courts, somebody's is going to be in, in making some changes. Um, and and we'll see uh, what the NCAA, new NCA president wants to do. Maybe maybe they take a radical approach. I, I doubt that. That does not seem like that kind of hire was designed to, um, you know, no. take this kind of approach. This was designed you to you kind make, of preserve it. This is this yeah. is this is the hire you make if you want to throw up the sandbags and try to preserve what you built as best you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that 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 was kind of the the underlying um, you know thesis to to the hire was you know we're not only going to try to get that antitrust exemption, we're going to try to keep the system as 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 we can, um, you know, in in place for as, as long as we can. But like at, at the end of the day, um, this is not a, a ground shaking hire. This is not somebody who's, who's going to come in and have those bold ideas. This is, this is not uh, Brett Yormark taking over the Big Twelve and, and and rattling some sabers. That that's not ultimately um, you know what what's going to play out here. And, and I think. 
you know, it, it, like I said, it, it's going to end up with a lot of billable hours. You know, I, I would imagine the the college athletics of 10 years from now is, is going to look a little bit different. Um, you know, I think there's still going to be uh, Ohio State and Michigan playing in, in the horseshoe and playing in the big house and, and how those athletes are ultimately getting onto the field and how they're ultimately compensated. We'll see. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think everybody would like to kind of preserve uh, some of the things that, that do make college sports special. And uh, we'll ultimately see how, how it will end up happening. But um, these, these are going to be far reaching decisions. And uh, they're, they're, the NCAA is a difficult job uh, running that organization. And uh, I wish the new guy the best of luck because, um, you know what, he, he's going to need it, given threats with NLRB, with, with the, those, those lawsuits I mentioned. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot happening both inside and outside the system. Uh, I would not want that job. Even though I know that job's going to pay like three million dollars a year, um, I'm—I mean, but you know, I'm barely keeping up with the job that I've got right now, which doesn't pay anywhere near that. It isn't anywhere nearly as complicated, and I can take cheap shots at people because my mortgage doesn't depend on figuring out the answers to these things. Um, you to to kind of put a bow on it. You're right. Like at the end of the day, the 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 undefeated force remains billable hours. So I what we we get into the weeds here. I hopefully to arm people with enough information to avoid reckless speculation or, or rampant you're like we definitely know what the next three six nine months are going to be like I I, I I I try to throw water on that as best as I can but I don't want to say that this is irrelevant and if you want to look listen there's there's going to be football games on in a week there's 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 important conference basketball games happening you've, you've got postseason tournaments or a bunch of other sports I understand this will also still be newsworthy in January. But it's happening well, now. I, I can imagine that we're going to not only devote an entire episode, just kind of diving into the weeds on, on this case sometime in the in the spring or the su- maybe even into the summer. But um, you know, like this is uh, this is something that that uh, I guess be be aware of it, but understand yeah. that there will be some some time uh, between kind of now and and ultimately when things get serious. Yeah, I it's probably not going to be this year. We're we're we're, we're running out of we're running out of runway here this year, especially. We, we, we got to worry about things like transformation. That's not transformational. We we got to do deal with that first. No, well, yeah, and Christmas shopping. Yeah, man, we we got to get to that too. We weren't. Yeah, and 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 I need a haircut, right? <laughs> like, there's a a bunch of other things that are that that clearly haven't haven't happened here, uh, folks. Uh, we appreciate your listenership, your support, and your patience this week. Uh, as I've been out and about here, we are going to on extra points take a um, a bit of a holiday break later this month. Uh, it's funny I had originally planned to actually start on the 19th because I missed a bunch of time this week. Uh, I'm not going to do that yet. I'm gonna. I might publish a couple a couple of newsletters in a day but there's I have some reporting I want to share about scholarship ultimate frisbee uh, that I've wrapped up here and I want to share in the new future I have some reporting on another non EA sports college football video game project that I want to share uh, I might have one last mailbag one last conference realignment update I think beforehand and then uh, I know that folks typically don't read as much as we get very close to the holidays and uh, so that means I and I also want to spend time with uh, with my family, but we will be you know getting back uh, to that swing uh, after after taking a, a short break once all of that other reporting has gotten out there. Collegiate Sports Connect will be continuing. Head Coach U is still trucking along. Brian's doing a bunch of work here and on Fox, which you should go watch and you should go read. And if you enjoy this show, uh, you should give it five stars on Spotify or YouTube or 
uh, Apple Podcasts or anything else that were to uh, uh, so more, more people can find it. We are, I think, after the football season, we're going to have some conversations about what going for two will look like moving forward. And, uh, and but you know, until then, we appreciate all of your support and everything. And we will get back in touch with you again very soon.